Hello and welcome into Coach's Corner. The date is Friday, September 9th, and we are back with a new episode and a full week one slash week two for college football preview. We look at the whole schedule, recap the game that I just watched, just got done watching, and yeah, that that a lot of preview stuff coming up here. And probably do MLB scores at the end. So keep tuning in for a good old fashioned coach's corner. With that being said, let's get into it. And with that being played out, welcome back to Coach's Corner. Like I said, it is Friday right after the Bills-Rams game. Good game for half. And I'm your host, Luke Skochevar, as always. And I want to talk about that game because I had said yesterday that it felt like the Bills were being picked way too much as the Super Bowl champ. Way too much as like this favorite. Josh Allen was getting so much MVP love as the favorite. I was very skeptical in a sense. Like, let's pump the brakes here. It would be a crazy jump for them. I still like going from the level that they are at to Super Bowl isn't a huge jump, but the pressure that they're facing coming into this year is the jump. You know. It's one thing to be like the Bengals and go into the season vastly underrated, and then you all of a sudden make a Super Bowl, and the expectations are a little bit higher. Like, they're expected to win the division now with the talent they have and the quarterback they have, but they're not getting the Super Bowl love that the Bills are, you know? And they, they're, they're the team that just made it. And so it's very interesting to me that they, the Bills basically, I think everyone on the NFL Network that was like picking it, they put out a graphic, and I think the Bills were winning in every single one of the graphics. Now, the NFC was different for each one of them, but the Bills were the team that were like consistently on every graphic, either winning or losing. So, and listen, I love the Bills. I love Bills Mafia. Buffalo is a city that I'd like to visit someday to go to a game myself. But, I mean, we know their past. We just, like, we know that they lost the four Super Bowls all in a row. Like, to go from that type of cursed luck in their history to all of a sudden Super Bowl champs is just a jump that I won't say struggle with because, like I said, I can see it happening. And they are a very good team, but it's a big jump. With all that being said, I mean, if you're a person that did pick the Bills as a Super Bowl champ, you have to feel fantastic after tonight. I mean, the Bills, I think, played the perfect game. And part of it, I think, is on the Rams' deficiencies. Like, we we saw what the issues are with the Rams tonight and the struggles that they might be looking at going forward. But you still have to be the team that comes out, produces, you know, puts on the show that they did. And the Buffalo Bills did exactly that. And I do want to toot my own little horn here. Much similar to last week, 
I am 1-0 on the week of betting. I have the pick I had, Bills minus 2.5. Take it to the bank. That's that one cashed. Feel really good about that one. And we move. We move from there. I mean, I, <laughs> I could, it couldn't have been drawn out better than how it worked. And so going over the game from start to finish. So on the Bills side, we'll just start there. Bills came out kind of had the perfect touchdown drive. I mean, they were really clicking on all cylinders. I mean, they moved the ball with very relative ease, had a walk-in touchdown for Gabriel Davis, who is a player that has been really highly talked about. And I don't know if I didn't believe in the hype, but I was, you know, once again, a player that only, you know, caught for 500 yards last year, all of a sudden being thrust into a wide receiver two position. You know, he had a four touchdown game last time we saw him in the Chiefs. Coming to this season, the expectations were up. And I mean, in game one, I think you could say he delivered because obviously scored a touchdown, had a couple catches to go with it. That whole deal played out really well for him. And they from there, I mean, they kicked a field goal, were up 10 to nothing at one point. And then I, I think we saw something in Josh Allen that we have just seen constantly throughout his. You know, ever-growing career, it's just interceptions that some are not, like, one of them was not his fault with Isaiah McKenzie dropping the pass underneath. It just, it just, it really was a lucky interception. But then the other one was just, it was a throw where Josh Allen tried to be a hero, put the ball in a place that it probably could have gone, but it just was way more likely that it was going to be either tipped or intercepted by the guy defender. And that's what happened. It was intercepted. And so that I think was like, that just encapsulates the Josh Allen experience where like he comes out, goes 10 for 10 and looks incredible. And then two, I don't know if they're back to back possessions, but two interceptions in the first half after just, I said, looking really dominant. And, you know, it's it's silly little mistakes that you need to clean up, which he did in the second half very easily. But, you know, that, that stuff won't fly against a team where they're humming. You know, like the Chiefs, as an offense, I think you can say are better than the Rams. Um, I think the Bengals possibly as an offense you could say is better than the Rams. You know, like the Rams are just far from perfect. The fact that they won the Super Bowl is good for them because... Uh, now they are weirdly backed into a corner where they don't have a ton of flexibility and they kind of have to roll out this team that definitely looked very vulnerable. And I, I don't want to say that I like overestimated them. Like I think that coming into the season, obviously they got the players to be really good, but I mean, if you wanted a positive sign from the Rams tonight was not your night, not at all. So uh, besides the point, the Bills, like I said, came out in the second half, really just kind of pedal to the metal or pedal to the floor. Like uh, They just really kind of just did their thing. They played a fantastic game. I mean, ended up just running away with it. I mean, it was 31 to 10 there basically for the whole fourth quarter. Like early on in the fourth, they scored off of a, a big Stefan Diggs play. Isaiah McKenzie got into the action. Josh Allen had a rushing touchdown. Like, Everyone that really should be a cog in this offense really did their job and scored a touchdown. 
Now, they did look like the Buffalo Bills in the fact that the running game was not there. No running game. <laughs> James Cook fumbled. Zach Moss fumbled. I, those guys just... James Cook can't fumble as a rookie. You just can't fumble as a rookie. That's like... I, they don't care, I think, if you get zero yards or if you get 50 yards. Don't fumble the ball. James Cook did that on one of his first carries, if not his literal first carry. And I didn't see him really the rest of the night. Zach Moss was in there. Devin Singletary was in there. And then Zach Moss fumbled. And he fumbled last year, too. Like, you just can't put the ball on the ground. And that was, I think, the big issue with the Bills is, like, if you want to look at flaws, I mean, turning the ball over. You know, I mean, two fumbles, two interceptions, that's four four turnovers right there. And I'm, I don't think it's often that you win the turnover battle, which I, I'm not sure if they tied it or if they did end up, like, being one down in the turnover department. But, like, you can't turn the ball over four times against the offenses that I listed earlier. You just can't. Like, it's just detrimental. And they did. Like, you know, it's just sloppy football. It's week one football. I think this game really did look like week one football. Like, teams were not at their, like, peak play when it comes to being clean, like, Bills looked fantastic, but they definitely could be better. And that's a scary thought in its own right. That's enough Bills talk. Let me move over to the Rams. The Rams. Oof, man, that offensive line. I Once again, hats off to the Bills. The Bills, all, like defense was probably, I won't say as hyped as the offense, but the defense added Von Miller, and he really made an impact early on. And they had a couple other big sacks. But, you know, this Rams offensive line really did not hold up as much as you'd like to. The left tackle replacement for Andrew Whitworth, the Hall of Famer, did not show up. He really just was there. Like, yeah, the offensive line just did not feel sturdy at all. I don't don't know how they're going to remedy that, whether it's signing someone, trading for someone, or just kind of hoping that players learn on the job. But this offensive line was getting kind of bullied. They were getting pushed around. Stafford kind of was just having to drop so far back because he just couldn't really stay in the pocket. He couldn't step up in the pocket well. Several balls, I think, were overthrown. Like, just several things happened where Stafford was off in the pocket. And I think it was a, you know, a a side effect of how that uh, D line was pushing the Rams offensive line around. I I think that was just, it was ugly. It was really ugly. And, you know, Cooper Cup looks fantastic. The Stafford to Cooper Cup duo is still really the best in the league, I think, when it comes to just one, two, just pitch pitch and catch. You know, they just were going up and down the field with these. Like, they just fantastic. I mean, really. As a Cooper Cup fantasy owner, once again this year, I feel really good. But if you're a Cam Akers fantasy owner, you got to be kicking yourself. And... I'll say the Rams offense, I think, is really built off the play action. And to build the play action, you need to run the ball. And the thing about the Rams is they did not really run the ball well at all. I mean, Daryl Henderson, I think, broke off a couple runs, at maybe, maybe two. But, you know, it wasn't like they were running basically for two yards at most on like probably 90% of the runs they did have. And like I said, Henderson was the lead back. 
I don't Cam Akers was another guy who came into the year kind of talked about as a, someone who could really be rising up the ranks of a running back because coming off an Achilles injury, he did play in the playoffs last year, but this is like his first full off season healthy. You know, people were people were looking for expectations for him because they saw him in college and he had a little bit of stuff in the pros before he got hurt. But it, this game was not it. Now, I don't know if his carries were limited because of the injury. Like, he's still dealing with it somewhat. But, I mean, it's a bad sign. It's a really, really tough sign. He he did nothing. He did literally nothing. He was a net zero. I don't... He might have been negative. I don't know. He just was not good, not effective. Really just did jack out there, you know? Just, just bad. Like I said, you need the running game to set up the play action, which is, I think, a fixture of the McVay offense, and they couldn't do that. So, therefore, the offense was just a lot of Matthew Stafford trying to throw the ball to Cooper Cup a lot. And Allen Robinson, someone who I was high on, also went missing. I I don't know if it's a product of him, like his play, or if it really was just the scheme. or like I don't know what would happen to Allen Robinson, but he did nothing. He really just did nothing out there. He just ran around, really, got one catch, and that's it. And seeing what Allen Robinson as peak can be, that's what made me so excited about him on the Rams, because I thought maybe it was like a, you know, Odo Beckham coming to the Rams or Matthew Stafford coming to the Rams. Matter of fact, like just going from a bad situation to a good situation would just pop like that. And it still could. He could still come back and have a great, you know, next week or, you know, season. But this was not an encouraging sign. Not an encouraging sign at all. And that defense. Uh, I don't know. Jalen Ramsey looked really funny in the light against Stefan Diggs. And there's a quote from, you know, Jalen Ramsey a couple years ago. Best cornerback in the league, I'd say right now. And he's saying Josh Allen was trash. I don't know why they Bills drafted him. I don't know what he's doing here in the league. He's just big and I don't know. Well, buddy, you got torched by him. So I don't know if you can really talk right now, you know. Jalen Ramsey. You look tough. You look really dumb out there. But that was the Rams-Bills game. Obviously, the Bills dominated 31-10. to 10, Covered the 2.5. Couldn't be happier. The over didn't hit, which was tough, but I didn't have that, so no complaints here. But with that being said, I think we can move on to some week two college football talk. We'll get back into the NFL a little bit later in the show here as we talk about week uh, one, the starting week. But real quick, I want to touch on some college football because tomorrow we have a fun game. I mean, I guess it's today, uh, Louisville and UCF. Now, UCF is very famously like our pesky little group of five team that started the group of five revolution with that undefeated season national championship quote-unquote whatever you want to call it a louisville a very you know i'd say interesting team because of their quarterback malik cunningham traveling to ucf to face the golden knights louisville is and i think that's a really really interesting game how this could play out I mean, Malik Cunningham, if you want to be a guy that could potentially go to the league, I think this could be a good showing on ESPN2 at 7.30. I don't know. 
But if I do have to pick, I mean, I probably, I don't, I don't know. I really don't know because UCF in UCF, I think is a very solid team. I don't know how they are. I haven't watched UCF, but just the optics on it. I don't see why UCF couldn't defend their home field. Uh, other game, Alabama and Texas. I talked about it yesterday with my betting preview on it. Basically, I think Alabama's got too too much of a gap on both sides of the ball for Texas to really keep up. Uh, you got a lot of games that are kind of like just blowouty type games. Arkansas State, Ohio State, Southern Miss, Miami. Come on now. But we do have South Carolina at Arkansas. So one of our SEC games this week. Spencer Rattler goes on the road to Arkansas, Fayetteville. And, you know, I people are really kind of high on Arkansas, I would say, because of how they've kind of turned this program around. Sam Pittman's done a great job. K.J. Jefferson's, I think, a very capable college quarterback. And they fight hard. And, you know, Spencer Rattler coming to South or coming to Arkansas as a visitor here, I just hate because Spencer Rattler, I just don't think is very good. I mean, people had him high on their draft boards last year, and I I understood it because I saw the tools. I saw the raw talent that he had, but he has not improved in, at all. Like, I haven't seen any improvement. It seems like he's just trying to play like how he does as a high schooler. You know, it's just very mundane, not very coordinated you know it's just it's off there's something off about it and the thing is he makes plays like like i said you see the raw talent you see it there you see the foundation but it's a foundation that hasn't been built upon in two years and you have to build a little bit of something i mean like you have the concrete down just put the posts in or something i don't know Wake Forest at Vandy. I said Sam Hartman's coming back. Good news for the, you know, Demon Deacons looking for him. Mizzou at Kansas State is an interesting-ish game. Not a big-time name game. Like, uh, Deuce Vaughn, my buddy is telling me that someone listens to Deuce Vaughn as the most exciting player in college football. I like Deuce Vaughn. I haven't personally watched a ton of Deuce Vaughn, but let's pump the brakes here. Kansas Kansas state is not really contending. So like no one's going to really pay attention to Deuce Vaughn unless you're a draft guy, like thoroughly. So it's, it's two power five guys. Just, you know, Duke Northwestern has to be the, like the stinkiest game ever. Uh, it's on Fox sports one. If anyone is interested. Okay. NC State's playing Charleston Southern. Do they want to fight in that game again? I don't know. Uh, Army at UTSA or UTSA at Army. That sounds like a fun game to watch. That sounds like the kind of game I would watch as a sicko. Um, yeah, a lot of bad games. I told you about App State, Texas A&M. I kind of gave you my thoughts on Tennessee, Pittsburgh. I, I think Tennessee's going to win that game. And Tennessee's defense is really bad, but Keaton Slovis is just inconsistent. I can't hide it anymore. I I love him. I see, see the things that people see with Spencer Rattler. I see in Keaton Slovis. I see certain throws that I'm just like, oh my goodness, he did a great job there, evading the pressure, throwing on the run, all this and that. But then he'll just make a play. And it's just like, oh my goodness, we just, you know, it's just bad. 
just bang our heads against the wall. Um, however, I, I think this game does come down close to the wire. Tennessee's offense, I just like Hendon Hooker more. I mean, I think people are, I won't say high on Hendon Hooker, but people are kind of buying into Hendon Hooker. I'm slightly one of those people. You know, I'm not going to say that I'm like an all-out fan, but I do think he plays well, and I do think that he has a chance to kind of like make a name for himself in draft circles this year. And obviously I think he has to because I think he's a senior, but like, you know, I think he's one of those guys, if he goes to the senior bowl and has a good time, like I, I could see him popping up draft boards. Colorado Air Force for certain people that would like that. Memphis at Navy, uh, Kennesaw State, the great Georgia College of Kennesaw, Kennesaw State is going to Cincinnati. Uh, my Bulldogs play Bulldogs of Samford. <laughs> uh, Houston at Texas Tech. Now that's interesting for Houston, who is looking to beat Texas Tech as a power or power five team. You know, I I always like pointing out the group of five top teams against the power five teams. I part of me just thinks it's something that's just interesting. You know, I like, I always think it's like, I, are some of these group of five teams really better than power five teams? And sometimes you get the answer. And this is one of those games where it seems like you get the answer. And Houston is joining the big 12. I've talked about it several times, but this is a future big 12 matchup. So watch out for that. Iowa State at Iowa, big rivalry game there. Um, in Iowa, should be a really solid game. I, I think it'll be ugly, but like solid. Like if you're a sicko, you'll enjoy it. You know, like if you like punting and running the ball, and not a lot of points, that's the good one. Um, look at some of these other games. Mm, I've talked about Kentucky, Florida, somewhat. Dun, dun, dun. I. I, this looks about it. Like I don't, I don't see any games here in the seven thirty slot. I told you about USC and Stanford. That's one of my games to look out for. USC minus nine. Arizona State at Oklahoma State. Now the fact that it's at Oklahoma State makes me like it a lot more for the Cowboys. However, don't count Arizona State out. It doesn't look like the Cowboys defense is very potent this year as it was last year. Uh, but the offense, I think, can really carry them. It looks like the offense is kind of back. Spencer Sanders looks like he might have taken a little bit of a jump here in his play. Just have to be consistent. That's the big key here. And then Baylor and BYU, I talked about it briefly. Mississippi State's going to Arizona at 11. Uh, I <laughs> I didn't know that. That's 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 a scheduling thing. I don't I don't know why they would do that. I mean, Mike Leach maybe just wanted to go visit some old West Coast friends. I don't, I don't know. I couldn't tell you. That's it's quite the game there. Uh, transitioning now from college because I think I think we've touched on about everything that we can. Like I don't, I I can't <laughs> I can't play up any other games like Hawaii and Michigan. I can't play up Idaho, Indiana. Virginia Tech Boston College is a is an ACC matchup. Uh, two kind of ugly teams. Like, yeah, I, I can't I can't do anything for you. Nebraska or Georgia Southern at Nebraska. <laughs> Georgia Southern former school attendee here. Uh, they're not the triple option threat anymore. They had a quarterback throw the ball forty seven times this past weekend. 
former USC coach Clay Helton's the coach there now, not Chad Lunsford. So maybe they're going to have a real offense and maybe they can dig out of this weird hole of being a 1940 school in the Sun Belt. I, I don't know. That'd be pretty cool. But yeah, that's that's your week two college stuff. Don't forget to watch out for Alabama minus 20 and a half, USC minus nine, App State plus 20 and a half. So big games there. And on to week one of NFL football. I'm not going to try and do the theme songs. I was going to try, but. You know, maybe I won't just for the listeners. That's the Monday night themes, by the way. We are in week one of the NFL schedule. And I'll run through the game. Some of them faster than others. Just I have a couple, you know, things to key in on. Uh, New Orleans and Atlanta. God, I, I... I told the group chat this the other day. If I could have Atlanta could just go two and fifteen for the next five years, and they beat the like they beat the Saints twice every time of those years, I think I'd be happy. I don't think there'd be any complaints for me. I think I could sleep like a baby at night knowing that they beat the Saints twice every year, even if it's the only two wins. And New Orleans is coming to Atlanta. Uh, it's weird how the Rivalry's kind of gone because they've split the last couple of years, but it's been like Atlanta wins on the road and vice versa. And it's a new era for Atlanta with Marcus Mariota coming in. Obviously, it's not number two under center for the first time in 13, 14 years now. So big difference in this rivalry with Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota now at the helms instead of Drew Brees and Matt Ryan. P.U. with that downgrade. But I do think this will be a close game because it's a rivalry game. Obviously, uh, the teams hate each other. I don't know if it's as bad as it normally is because, like I said, most of the players that have really made it really good these past couple of years are, are out of town. Like I, I think te- people still hate them. Like I, I'm sure Grady Jarrett still holds it. Um, you know, Jake Matthews, like guys that have been here for a little you know while, which is not a lot of people, but I'm, I'm sure the rivalry is still there. Cam Jordan, I know, hates us. Like. Uh, he is still there. It's just, it doesn't feel as strong because Atlanta's not good. You know, like, they're not even close to like, they're not competitive and people know that like last year, you fool yourself about it, but this year it's like obvious, but nonetheless, I mean, very interested to see how this one goes. I do think New Orleans probably does win though. Sadly, uh, San Francisco at Chicago. This one's interesting because you get the Trey Lance versus Justin Fields bowl. Like, you know, Two guys that were drafted very high. Um, I, I won't say very high for Justin Fields, but you know, two guys drafted in the first round last year. Trey Lance obviously has been talked about so much this offseason. And, you know, it's just one of those it's like you just don't know if he's good or not. And does it sound like a lot of people are convinced? I'm a guy that's riding with him just because I like the tools that much. I think the year will help him. We just have to see it in action now. And Chicago don't really have much to say about them. Pittsburgh at Cincinnati. Uh, you know, I think this is good for Cincinnati opening at home. Obviously, they get to kind of, you know, celebrate the fans and how their season ended last year. 
And this this is interesting because Joe Burrow kind of was dealing with the, uh, I don't know, his appendix <laughs> surgery. <laughs> like, you know, he dealt with some injury stuff. Like, he just wasn't really playing any snaps preseason. But I think he was in practice. So, obviously, he should be good to go. Uh, Pittsburgh, obviously, going on with a new era, just like Atlanta. P- Big Ben retired. Mitch Trubisky in. I'm curious to see how the Cincinnati defense plays. I, they were a very underrated part of their run last year. Uh, but, you know, it's one of those you don't know how it'll shake out until we get on the field. But I do think this offense for Cincinnati will be really good. I do like them to win the game. Philadelphia and Detroit. I think this is the most interesting game of the 1 o'clock window. And I say that like just because, not just because the Detroit was on hard knocks and they put on a good performance, but I mean, Detroit is a frisky team. They've made a lot of moves that have made them look like they could be, I won't say a contender, but a vast improvement from what they were last year, which is two wins or three wins, whatever it was. You know, and Philadelphia, obviously, I think is getting hype as a potential NFC contender. Um, an NFC East contender for sure. And I think people just are ready to see how Jalen Hurts plays with AJ Brown. I think that's a big storyline here. This was one of those games where I looked at the bets and I was like, Eagles minus four, too good to be true. But I do like the under. The under, I think, was 48 and a half. This seems like one of those. I think both teams are just hard nosed, like not flashy teams. The styles match up where. I don't see a lot of points being scored unless we get into, you know, a game where it's like garbage time shootout, like Philly's up 21 to three. And all of a sudden, you know, Philly's still scoring points and the Lions are scoring points in bunches because Philly is playing off. Like that's, that's the worst case scenario for an over. But if this is a close game, like I think it should be and how the spread indicates it, the under here is very much in play. I think the styles just match up that way. Uh, New England at Miami. We can see if two is legit with Tyreek. Uh, we can see if Mac Jones is able to overcome Matt Patricia and Joe Judge. I mean, that'll be if Mac Jones can overcome that, then hats off to him. He is my <laughs> comeback player of the year, I guess, if you want to call him that. And that doesn't even make sense for him because he wasn't hurt last year. But coming back over to those two bozos being your play callers, that's a win. This was the other game that I didn't bet on, but I loved. Baltimore against New York. Week one Ravens, I think, are one of the best teams in the NFL. John Harbaugh is a great coach. Game plans, I think, really well with time off. When you have an offseason, I think that's just a bye week extended, you know? I think you have a lot of time. You circle the calendar with New York. And John John Harbaugh should have those guys ready. And Lamar Jackson is playing for a lot. And they're playing Joe Flacco. So I think it was Baltimore 7, minus 7 when I was looking earlier. Could obviously have changed how, I mean, how much I like the game. I I could see it changing to like 8 or something. But I do still like that number a lot. Like, the the Ravens demolished the Dolphins opening week a couple years ago. I think Lamar's MVP year demolished them. I'm not saying it will be a whomping. But this game could be a very quick, ugly game for the Jets, especially if that defense is not ready to play. 
And if they're not ready to play, then uh, yeah, Lamar could go for four touchdowns. But I do like Baltimore to win the game kind of easily. Jacksonville, Washington, I kind of explained it yesterday with how I have Jacksonville plus two and a half. I mean, you're giving me points on a team that I think can win outright. I'm going to take you. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, Doug Peterson, I like the pairing a lot. Carson Wentz, I I think the bridges are pretty much burning across the league. They're, They're smoky there in Washington, but they're not burnt yet. Just wait, though. Uh, Cleveland at Carolina, I think this is a Baker revenge game. I mean, Cleveland is deploying Jacoby Brissett as a starter, who I think he's 10 and 37 as a starter. I, I didn't realize he started 47 games, but apparently he has. But I, I can't see him really. This would be a very gross defensive showcase. Uh, speaking of unders, I don't know what it is for this game, but I would take this as an under. Unless you really think Baker with a chip on his shoulder is like the greatest quarterback ever, which he's has been in college, but this is not college. Uh, then the last game of the one o'clock window is Indianapolis and Houston. We get to see Matt Ryan in action for the Colts. We can see how that offense goes. Uh, Houston, I like, is a really frisky team this year. I, I'm not going to say that I like them as like an underdog here. But I think they're a team where people are going to look at what they have. They're going to kind of be close in first halves, but in the end, they won't be able to pull it out. It'll kind of just be like double-digit losses, you know? That screams Houston to me. Uh, I just, I'm very curious to see what Indianapolis deploys on offense. Like, I'm curious to see what the game plan will look like under Matt Ryan, not Carson Wentz. And then we get to the 4 o'clock window. Uh... We have some good games here. I the one that's a real stinker is New York, the Giants going to Tennessee, just because I think Tennessee can just blow out the Giants. It's a rookie coach with a quarterback that we just are not sure about, and a defense that I frankly think got considerably worse over the offseason, losing some pieces like James Bradbury on the secondary. You know, just not good things. Uh, then we have Green Bay at Minnesota, which is the Fox primetime game. Interesting that this is the Fox primetime game, but I get it because it is, I think, the only real appealing matchup for N- NFC teams. Uh, I don't I don't know. I mean, if you believe in Kirk Cousins, I could see Minnesota being a, a good team to pick here because Mike Zimmer era was done. Like Mike Zimmer in Minnesota, the time was there. It was... It was over. Like it, we, we, everyone knew it. You know, a lame duck coach just kind of just doesn't do anything for a team. And it's one of those that you couldn't even fire him because Mike Zimmer is a good coach. He did a lot of good things in Minnesota, but it just wasn't, just wasn't time. And you couldn't get rid of Kirk Cousins because you gave him a lot of money. It was time. But Kevin O'Connell coming over from the Rams has apparently an offense that I think is very, very beneficial to Kirk Cousins. Jefferson, Thielen, K.J. Osborne, I think is a great trio. K.J. Osborne is not well-known. He should be by the end of the season. Dalvin Cook is there. Like The offensive talent this team has is unreal. It's just can the offensive line hold up? And I think they've gotten just slightly better over the years. Not a great unit, but it's still a I think, good enough unit to give them time. 
And Green Bay, I think, has some pieces that they're kind of working in, like not totally cemented. Uh, not guys that have like been with the team last year. It's a couple rookies, like from Georgia, that they drafted. You know, I, I'm not sure. I think this could be a shootout. I think this could be an over over type game. But it also could be an under type game. Bad analysis by me. But thing about the Green Bay offense, the receivers. God knows who's going to step up. It's Alan Lazard, the guy who's been there for a while. One of the rookies, Romeo Dubes or Christian Watson, be the guy. You know, it's a very, very fluid situation in the Green Bay receiving room. Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon, good backfield. The line should be as good as ever. It'll just be a very interesting game here, and I think this will kind of set the tone for how the NFC North is this year. Uh, the CBS primetime game is Kansas City at Arizona. Everyone knows Arizona is fantastic in the first couple weeks until Call of Duty drops, then Kyler checks out. And Kansas City's trying to see, they'll prove that they didn't need Tyreek Hill. They brought in a lot of guys that are good. Uh, people forget Juju Smith was actually a really good receiver in Pittsburgh when Antonio Brown was there and not losing his mind. But Juju Smith kind of became a joke over the years, and I, I think he can revitalize his career here in Kansas City. You know, MVS was, for as much as you want to criticize him, he was one of the better dependable targets that Aaron Rodgers had. You know, uh, Travis Kelsey's still there. The offensive line is, you know, Creed Humphrey's there. He's a really good second-year player. Trey Smith, second-year really good player. And I do think the Chiefs' defense will be better this year than people do give them credit for. I think they, they're one of those teams where they've been slowly building along the linebackers with the young guys and cornerbacks. Chris Jones in there in the middle is a vet. Justin Reed, I think, is a, I don't want to say upgrade over Tyron Matthew, but a player that I think was in Houston that people didn't pay attention to. Now that he's in Kansas City, he should get the love that he deserves. Uh, Las Vegas at Los Angeles. Josh McDaniels in his second stint as an NFL head coach, I think will be a lot better. I think this is a better situation than the Denver one he had back when he first started. He's a lot younger then too. Uh, but the Chargers, Justin Herbert and company, you know, I think that offense should be deadly in Los Angeles. I don't think there's any excuse really for them to be bad. Uh, it's the defense that I'm a little bit worried about. You know, I don't know how good that defensive line is in the middle in the you know defensive tackle linebacker range Brandon Staley can he cook up enough to really you know make them a better team than they were on defense last year can he not go for it on fourth down every time I we will see if he can do that that was a disaster when he'd go on fourth and five at the 40 yard line and give it back and end up losing the game I think he'll get better you know I think he kind of knows that flows of the game happen he won't be as aggressive tampa bay dallas i mean do people believe in tom brady this year i don't know because it doesn't seem like my friends do and i don't know why i don't know why we're writing off tom brady all of a sudden and saying the saints are going to win the division listen i'm going to be the one to like bring us back to earth here it's tom brady People are saying that he has not lost zip on his ball. You can say he's disinterested, that he's on the mass Singer, whatever. I don't care. But once football season starts, once the pads get hidden, 
Tom Brady will be as locked in as ever. He'll be throwing the ball over the place. And people would talk about the offensive line being an issue. And I think it will be for the run game, but the pass game, and Tom Brady's not a guy that wants to stand in there for eight seconds to look around the field the entire time. He will if you give it to him. But his game's always been built off of throwing it quickly out of his hand. Like the ball's leaving his hand by the time it gets, you know, anyone gets kind of close to him. You know, he has Godwin back who should be healthy. Gage will be there who's as dependable a target as you can get for a third receiver. Mike Evans obviously still there. I don't know. I, I feel like we're ta- we're going crazy. And the, the Bucks defense last year dealt with injuries so early on that, you know, it, it wasn't the same defense that we had seen that dominated Patrick Mahomes. But this defense is coming back now with a lot of players that missed last year. And Todd Bowles is still there. Leftwich is still there. Like, Bruce Arians is the only guy that left. And Bruce Arians is a big deal, but like you didn't lose either coordinator. You kept the coordinators that were likely going to replace Arians at some point soon because Arians is all older, you know? I just I don't get playing down Tampa Bay so much. Now going to Dallas is going to be a tough thing because obviously it's prime time. Week one, Dak Prescott, the the expectations are there to win the division, possibly win a Super Bowl. Now, I explained my Cowboys kind of love and hate yesterday. This is whatever. I mean, I this is, I think, the hardest game to pick. I think it truly is a pick em. And I think Dallas does get the win. And it's not because I think Dallas is purely the better team, which they could be, but I just I don't think that the Bucks will be quite as ready on that offensive line. And I think Micah Parsons will have a day. I mean, Micah Parsons, who I think we forget was incredible as a rookie. So him with a year under his belt, will should be better. I like the Cowboys to win that game. And then Monday night football, Denver, Seattle, it's Russell Wilson's return to Seattle, whatever. It's Drew Locke and Russell Wilson or Geno Smith and Russell Wilson. It people, Russell Wilson will throw for five touchdowns, 250. Everyone will call him the MVP. And then by week six, he'll be a pumpkin. I've, I've seen it 14 times. Whatever. But that's your entire week one slate. <laughs> Breaking down every single game. I'm curious how it'll play out. I'm excited to watch it all. Yeah, that's that's the NFL, man. I I tell you, I I love college football. It's so special in its own right, but the NFL is just a step up, you know. But with that being said, I'm gonna do some MLB scores. Let you go on your way. Have a good day. All that good stuff. Have a good weekend, I should say. We got the White Sox beating the Athletics fourteen to two. By the way, not a lot of games today. I, a lot of teams, I guess, have their off days or they're traveling or what, but. Yeah, not a lot of games. White Sox, Athletics, 14-2. White Sox dominating. Nationals beat the Cardinals 11-6. I don't know what the Nationals are on right now, but it feels like they're winning a good bit of their games. Uh, The Reds win 4-3 over the Cubs. Brewers beat the Giants 2-1. The Marlins beat the Phillies 6-5. Twins beat the Yankees 4-3. The Brewers beat the Giants 4-2. So... Doubleheader there in San Fran. 
looks like a good little games tier today, but that's all for today. Let's have a good week. Let's have a good weekend. Let's have a really good solid weekend. Let's get some energy going. Let's win our bets. We got one and oh. I, I don't want this to be the trend every week where I win my Thursday bet and then the weekend just goes to hell and I just end up like, yeah, it went one and four again. <laughs> you know, I'm like, come on, guys. I'm I'm three and nine on the season. Let's let's get some let's get some wins rolling. I, I explained all my best to my friend tonight. I explained them like thoroughly to him and he was like, I think they're all really, really good bets. I would be comfortable with all of them except Alabama, Texas. And I understand that's a big number, but I, I when someone validates me, I can't feel I can't feel as bad. But you know, it's like, come on, we got we gotta win our bets. We gotta win our bets. Come on. But anyways, make sure to share, subscribe, like, do all the good stuff. Appreciate each and every one of you. Until next week, back on Monday, hopefully midday show, maybe. I don't know. We'll see if we're doing Sunday night or not. But explain it all next week. I'm your host, Luke Kochevar, and goodbye. <laughs>